0: One, two, one, two, one, two. Yeah, better, what actually. Fu- <laughs> 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 See that um
1: I'm sorry. You can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shot. like. What a
2: stop! Chance for Ben! Oh! <laughs> Jordan ben
1: yeah! Jordan Henderson! I mean, that sort of stuff, it, it's been... We're, be- we're bigger than that. That interview was just like the performance, flat. No. Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he say something... <sighs> we, we
2: were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions. Um, and thought no more of it.
1: Fire it up, fire it up When we finally turn it over Yes! Get in there! He I find myself that, that coming into my head When on the rare occasion A, a plan comes together He has not 18, too much so. to
2: shout about this season Poor old is he?
1: Get in
0: there a Couple of things Yeah Turn up my mic for
1: starters Well that's Go on uh, Right I'm not coming on this podcast next year right. Unless
0: There's some of my brilliant commentary In the bloody intro
1: Right well who are we going to get to replace him Dave
2: I don't know anyone really Put a, put a statue in the corner there
1: Yeah Offer a bit more than Nathan Murphy. Nathan Murphy, good afternoon to you. How's it going? Dave McIntyre, good afternoon to you. Hello. I'm Adrian Barry. I've literally just got a text from my wife to say that she's going for lunch with John Barnes. This is literally breaking news. (laughs) Why is she going for lunch with John Barnes? I have no idea. Where? I'll tell you what's surprising me most is that she even knows who John Barnes is.
2: Well, is it the John Barnes who used to play for Liverpool I'm in England assume, or another John I'm Barnes? I'm going to assume who? she's
1: not just texting me that she's going to work to lunch with John Barnes. Who's are, are you sure it's not some
0: labour? kind of middle-aged guy who's chancing his luck with your wife? That's hey, you wanna wanna probably come? still John
1: Barnes. <laughs> 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 Do you want to come? come for lunch? And he is I'm a charming John guy. Barnes. He's a charming guy, as he we've is. seen He is. He's an extremely charming guy. guy. That's the sort of breaking so where news you
2: don't get with every podcast. It's literally
1: just breaking news I would think not, Nathan. Oh. Um, I would think it'd be the tone of all that kind of stuff. It's a, one of these corporate, you know, schmoozy that your wife gets invited to and you don't. Pretty much. I'll tell you, I'm a bit pissed off with some of the bullshit. That's hang, on, been going hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's get that music out of there. Right. Let's clear the decks here, Nathan. Let's have it.
0: I said, I'm a bit pissed off with some of the bullshit that's been going on with this podcast, because we come here on a Friday afternoon to relax and to discuss football in a jovial <laughs> manner, and we can we feel free. We're not restrained by the PC nonsense that we have to put up when we're actually live on the radio. We can mm-hmm. say what we really feel. And then last Saturday, I arrived into work to find Adrian Barry threatening to put the podcast out live on the radio.
1: <laughs>
0: it almost <laughs> happened. Almost happened. Now, I literally walk out of this studio the second the podcast is finished and forget about anything I've ever said. Yeah. On the assumption that... Well, and, and it's, <laughs> it's a reasonable thing you do, by the way. Yeah. And now, now you, you've changed... You've changed the...
2: uh, The parameters by which you can operate. Exactly, because... At least somebody has an ability to speak (laughs) English, right? You you can no longer swear. Yeah, uh, just before we
1: went to air, for people who aren't aware, that uh, last Saturday, just before... Well, sorry, about an hour and ten minutes before we went to air, we had word that the show that was due to go out between one o'clock and two on the news talk schedule, um, for technical reasons, could not go to air, um, which... Resulted in a little bit of panic elsewhere, but quite calmness in the off the, a lot of calmness in the off the ball team, and it turns out that the off the ball team have the capacity to talk absolute shit about football off at at a moment's notice.
2: But was that was that in doubt?
1: If it probably conf- wasn't in fairness I'm but, not sure we um, need a confirmation
0: All that. that last week really proved Was that we're wasting our time For the three, four days We're here during the week yeah. Preparing mm. There's no need for prep It's overrated Because could just turn
1: up um, And so what happened was A You know Jer and Dave Went in the studio At uh, you know, one o'clock To keep things ticking over And I ferreted away outside Nathan was off Doing whatever He just floats in at two o'clock generally And I'm here now We can start the show <laughs> Um. And so I was trying to edit The podcast And so it would we, it would actually be able to go to air. And I had to listen to every second of it, as it turns out, because I, I hadn't realized this before. But as a group, and I'm not without blame in this particular discussion, we uh, tend to say shit bollocks and whatever else you're having yourself I every two I seconds. I don't wish to be associated with well, this. Well, you are, Dave. You know? I'm sorry. This I are, don't recall swearing. You might swearing not wish to be, but you are. Po- po- I don't recall swearing on well, any of the podcasts. Well, I'd have to put a bit of work into that, a time which I don't have. But I wasn't
2: on that particular podcast you're referring to now that you're listening back to. But well, I wouldn't be I try, yeah. I try and keep it clean. I try and keep it clean. We done. do have young ears listening. We really? do? <laughs> Who? We do. Oh, at least two or three of them there aren't many more than
1: that in, t- in the <laughs> entire audience for the well they make up podcast. 60% of the pod audience um, it is also our last podcast of the season Oh aww. aww really uh, to keep with the
0: tradition
2: of the pod we should have just not done one <laughs> 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 that, I won't lie to you
1: that was strongly <laughs> in my thoughts
2: I'm delighted it's the last one of the season it's been the most boring Premier League season I can
1: recall yeah don't forget Newcastle against West Ham live and off the ball Well, that may be Sunday. the most ex- one of the most exciting weekends maybe. we may have yeah
2: but generally, I can't recall any major incidents, any no. m- brilliant rivalries, any games that stood out for their ch- the stake that was involved and how much was riding on them and the the brilliance of the and the drama of the games. We haven't had Luis Suarez biting anybody in the shoulder. There's been nothing really that you will recall if you're you know when you need your football fix around about mid July and yeah. uh, the Premier League years are on Sky and you're watching back some of the great seasons over the last 25 years. I don't think anyone's going to be tuning into the 2014-2015 one. No, I don't remember
0: commentating on too many brilliant games over the course of the season. There was a couple at the start of the season. I covered City-Chelsea, the one where Lampard scored the equaliser for City. And that was real high quality. You could tell these Mm. were probably the two best teams. And then I think it was a week later or a fortnight later, Chelsea-Arsenal, which was unquestionably the best performance I saw all season. Chelsea were just incredible in every aspect that day. Arsenal, from what I remember didn't have a single shot on target it was the first time in 12 years mm. they hadn't had a single shot on target Fabregas set up Costa for a brilliant goal Azard was taken down for a penalty and they were just on top all over the pitch and again there was real high quality it was really fast paced and you thought well, either Chelsea are going to go on and become one of the great Premier League teams and demolish everybody, which didn't really happen, or Arsenal have a bit of quality to them, we saw City a couple of weeks earlier, they had a bit of quality, and we could get a, quite a close title race, but I, like second half of the season.
2: We've never had a title race, really, not since January. Relegation looked like six, eight weeks ago, we could have possibly mm. eight teams in, in the mix. Yeah, Coming into the final game of the season, we have only two, and it's the only thing that's actually up for grabs on the final day. Which is pretty disappointing, and when you compare it to previous seasons it's well, the drama last we've season. had... So I can't even recall what happened last season. Obviously Liverpool, Chelsea and City could all win the title going into the final game, but there was never real sense that on the final it, day. Yeah.
0: Oh no, well last season uh City West Ham would have had to have beaten City on the last yeah. day and Liverpool beating. So what well,
2: despite the but Chelsea mathematically were they still able to win the title no, on the I final don't think day? So. Certainly the penultimate game they could still yeah. have won it. And there was never any sense of the drama that we would have had in previous seasons. So and relegation wise last season I know Fulham, Cardiff and Norwich went down but I can't really recall whether there were any late day heroics required from any other team to stay what
1: up what was Sunderland's was that, was that last day of the season they were so
2: brilliant on the back end of last season they mm. were actually up with a game to spare oh were they yeah <laughs> yeah mm. which is um, quite incredible and obviously they've managed to do the same this time around
1: in terms of uh, indications about what we can expect next season I mean we can suggest that perhaps it's going to be a tighter race next season I mean Like you know, United presumably going to add a couple of players, and Louis Van Gaal is another year down the track. uh, Despite all his madness, Uh, another year down the track in terms of his planning there. So presumably they're a bit more solid. I mean, I don't know if we necessarily want to talk about Arsenal being in the title race, but presumably City strengthened as well. Yeah, I would have. I would have have Arsenal ahead of
0: United for next season again. Oh
1: yeah, yeah,
0: and particularly if they go and buy. One uh, or two really good signings of the yeah, summer. Uh, so a, could central, be a central midfielder, a defensive-minded midfielder, maybe Morgan Schneidlin or Victor Wanyama, somebody that's a bit of an upgrade on. and who can come in still and do a job, but I don't think you want him as your first choice uh, central midfielder for the entire season. And if they buy a striker or perhaps change their system so that Olivier Giroud isn't their sole option up front by himself.
2: Hmm. Centre half as well. I think they need a really good central defender. We just yeah. don't
0: know what Chelsea are going to do during the summer because but, but, presumably but before, before, they're before, also before, going to before improve. I leave that
1: point um, because I wouldn't necessarily agree that you're going to have that order next season. I think that United uh, made a good bash at, handled it this season. I think really,
0: that, yeah. Like, look, look, look. I right. think people are being way too kind to Van Gaal. G- go on, explain the amount of money they spent last summer. He's just been given a complete free pass because he. Even standing up on stage the last night, and when Rooney said we go for second, they spent an absolute fortune. I know they needed some sort of rebuilding. Is it not fair
1: that he would take over? Like, I mean, in the context of their season, that was a pretty ambitious thing. You're not saying that on day one, but I mean, if you're saying that at the point that he said it, at that's they had a good they had a good spell,
0: but we've seen them go backwards again over the last mm. few weeks. Second was there for the taking, and they
2: lost those three games in a row
0: he he got away quite lightly I think the media have enjoyed him to a certain degree but if they start next season poorly they are going to be on his back and I'm not sure if he can deal with that particularly well and again who are they, who are they going to buy we, we don't know what Memphis to buy he could be the answer
1: mm. well they're talking about a Hummels type and indication well that Hummels is now said that he's going to say yeah, Bastian Schweinsteiger so has been
2: heavily linked with them this morning um, I saw like, a piece during the week linking them with Raheem Sterling who they just don't need because but that's just enough, not going to happen enough wide players it would never happen anyway I don't know I think Nathan's right that he is getting a little too much credit for what he's achieved in his first season he's managed to finish fourth in a season in which Liverpool have been dreadful mm. Everton are not the team they were last season they came so close to the Champions League Tottenham fell away pathetically in the last six weeks and even a couple of the bits of luck that he got along the way for example the cup run they were on in the cut to the quarter-final David Moyes had to have Swansea at home in the opening round of the FA Cup whereas that he got games against Cambridge, Yeovil and Preston so he had a huge amount of luck overall in terms of the places he had to go and the teams he had to play mm. Over, I think you will probably give him a six out of ten for his first season because they came from an awful spot. They were seventh, yeah. and they were and also, can you not make a can It's been a big improvement.
1: Like the point that Nathan makes right. So they've bought a whole bunch of players. Um, like I actually think that's a reason for them having done pretty well because you know they spent a lot of money, bought a lot of players, and he's got to figure out a system, which he's done in like various peaks and troughs over the course of the season. What players go where? Who he wants to use? and Who he doesn't? Like obviously, Falcao didn't work out. So is that not a reason to Who did suggest that... Daily Blind, Ander Herrera?
2: Herrera certainly has had a good debut D- season. Di Maria obviously hasn't with.
1: impressed in the way that you f- sort of f- felt that it, that creative influence that he might have been. But He hasn't again. impressed at all. He's the most expensive player in the history of English football. What, what
2: about the point that Di Maria wouldn't necessarily have been Van Hal signing. The only reason Di Maria arrived at the club is, is because he became available. Mm. Real Madrid made it known that they were happy to sell him to the highest bidder, for example. It was the exact same case with Juan Mata. David Moyes certainly didn't need Mata. Did, clearly hadn't a clue where to fit him in. But it was made known by Chelsea that they were willing to let him go. And United thought, well, we need something to bring a little bit of a feel-good factor during the January transfer window. Just pay the money for Mata and we'll worry about it later. So I don't think Di Maria would have been a Van Hal signing. I really don't think Falcao would have been a Van Hal signing either. Again, it was a case of Monaco are happy to loan him out. Why don't we just get him signed? It's a big name. It's a big news Yeah, new but story. all indications
1: mm. are, again, like back to the sort of uh, one of the big discussions at the weekend. At that time, you it was an educated uh, Yeah, it loan, was just a gamble. Of, I mean, the yeah. wages
2: probably made it a little more mm. of a gamble than it should have been. But the point I'm making is that now he has the full summer to get his guys in. Memphis to pay is clearly a Van Hals' mm-hmm. And I would also point to the form of Mata and, in particular, Ashley Young this season as some of the credit you have to give Louis Vannan for a time as well Fellaini as yeah. well those three players he has got a huge amount out of all of those three guys this season because I would have thought um, having watched United closely for so long Ashley Young was out of there he was abysmal at times pathetically weak didn't seem to ever be fit never be was able to affect games I think it, he's been their best outfield player this season by a mile Mata has scored more goals than he has in any other season he's been excellent and um, overall when you look at the players that he's brought in versus the players who are already there and he's got the best out of, he's just about in credit. That's why I mean, six and a half, seven out of ten, maybe. Yeah. I'd like the way you've got up to make summer for seven,
1: David. I'll meet you. Well, I'll meet you at seven Well, I'm talking myself into a seven. <laughs> I'll I, meet you. I'll I, meet you at the seven. Out of he ten.
2: needs to have a big season, Nathan's yeah, Right, they but, but, have to but, start well but, yeah, in the new but, campaign. But it's
1: not fair to say that you know the point that Nathan makes that uh, you know they start next season badly, then he's under big pressure. Of course he is. But that's like there's an equally. Well, you you're only same same about next season. No, what can but no. But the point is that you know you could equally make the point because we're just projecting. Oh, he makes a really good start to next season, and then suddenly he's a brilliant manager. We don't know. But as. That's, but
2: that's the only way we can judge Will David De Gea will be there next season as well which is um, obviously going to have a major influence yeah. on how
1: well they start see all indication seems pretty unlikely right that he's sort of he's I'll certainly of be leaning
2: towards him leaving now yeah. at this stage because the contract's been on the table for months now if he's got an interest in signing just put a pen and paper to it get it done but clearly he doesn't mm. and I certainly couldn't blame him for leaving well, because that could he's be a... been there for four years
1: no matter, no matter fr- who they sign, that could be a devastating blow for United.
2: Well, Rangers. I don't know if they sign a world-class goalkeeper. Yeah. Like if they were to bring in someone like Qulare, so I rate very highly, not as good as De Gea, but I think he's a really good goalkeeper. The blow won't be as bad as it would be if it was an absolutely world top-class outfield player that was leaving. You can you can just about cope with it. But he's the best player at the club in his position. Mm. Like he's the only player in the Manchester United squad right now on form that you would have in any eleven in Europe. And they're going to lose
1: him. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with
0: that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Hugo Lloris is the answer. I I just think there's mistakes in him that would be magnified massively if he was to go to Manchester United. Well, who I'm, Petr Petr who are Cech, the options? Though? Cech Cech would out, be yeah. a very I think good Cech option. would be a very good signing. What age is he now? Thirty-three. Three. three yeah, really? You
2: bring yeah. him in at the same stage of his career, even a little earlier that you brought in Edwin van der yeah. Saar and you're bringing in a world class mm. keeper who can keep goal for you for the next five seasons. That van der
1: Sar thing was—I always found that really weird. I remember going to see Fulham the time when he was playing with him and like what the f- is he doing there and then he went like what age did he join United got, he was, got to move to London he would have been 34 when he wage. signed for, for United and, and stayed there until like he was 39
2: became arguably the second best goalkeeper in the yeah. club's history you yeah. know um but Bartos, the, yeah. the the, wor- the weird <laughs> part of Bosnich. that was that United didn't sign him when he left Italy. Yeah, I just I just couldn't understand it at the time. Mm. And I, you think of the the garbage they went through in a bid to actually find someone that, to replace Michael. Mm. Five or six goalkeepers, Barthez and Bosnich spending the most time there. <laughs> Tim Howard, another guy, and then you don't know have to go great into crack.
1: the game. is really missing people like Barthez, aren't
2: they? Well, he was quite a character. But I. I think, think Le- that check has could a bit of that the madness same, in him. He could fulfill the same sort of role yeah. that Van der Sar. fulfilled. Cech
0: would be the uh, the ideal replacement because yeah. he has the bit of experience. He He's used to playing at a massive club already. And there is, as we've seen time and time again, there's a huge step up from Spurs to Manchester United. And I think Czech also is perfect for what United would want, which is a title charge next season yeah. where you might only need to make one save a game. He's brilliant at that. Whereas again, Lloris, similar to De Gea, is making five or six wonder saves a game, and I would question whether Lloris has the concentration levels that you would need to win a league. I now,
2: think I, I think Lloris would do a good job. I do from what I've seen. I know you're saying that he throws the odd clanger in, but even De Gea, who's the last two years been the best goalkeeper in the Premier League, like he was up there last season as well. It's just he's had to make so many saves this season mm. that that he um, he's got even more of the limelight on him, but. De Gea throws in the odd absolute horrible mistake like he did in the League Cup semi-final against Sunderland last season for example um, but he makes up for it in so many other ways I think Lloris is the same but to a little lesser extent but if they leave him if he leaves it is it is a big blow but you can't blame him for leaving going back to the city of his no. birth where his family are still there the biggest club in the world you could argue in Real Madrid they'll probably offer him more money than he'll be getting at Manchester United although it'll be with a new manager you would suspect who that is remains to be seen
1: that's the difficulty for United as well, isn't it? And really, probably, maybe lesser degree to Chelsea and City to some degree, certainly at the minute, that, you know, like, if De Gea leaves, does essentially that Ronaldo on it, that they don't have the ability to hang on to the best players in the world anymore.
0: Well, I don't think any of those English clubs have the ability, because the best players in the world are Spanish, they're Brazilian, they want to live in a warmer climate. And it does simply, I think, a lot of it come down to that, that there's not a huge difference between Manchester United and Real Madrid. Except Madrid is a far nicer place to live. Money-wise... Well, he's, he's from Madrid as that's well. That's what I mean. You but that,
2: Cesc Fabricas was from Barcelona. That is Cristiano Ronaldo, it's a
0: hell of a lot closer to home been in Madrid than it has been in Manchester.
2: Ronaldo achieved everything he could at Old Trafford in that he'd won everything at least once. Where De Gea is leaving with nothing more than a, a Premier League winner's medal. But he knows that he will be the Spanish number one for the next 10 years and he will probably win a couple of La Liga titles and a couple of World Cups or a couple of Champions League titles over the next 10 years as well, which right now you couldn't argue that he will do that at Manchester United. So again, you're saying it's just about the climate, it's about the fact that he's from Madrid. I would put it down to ambition as well. Does he really see... Manchester United competing for the it's top prizes all over it the next it's 10 all, years. You can see why he wants to leave and I certainly couldn't argue with it because he has been part of a really poor team last season and a slightly better side this season but at the same time the fact he's had to make so many saves and is the player of the year in the eyes of many maybe that indicates he needs to go as
1: well. Um, I appreciate that um, I've literally just had this thought and you fellows haven't really um, had time to consider it. But, I mean, that's really what the Friday Football Podcast is all about. Um, your overachiever of the year and your underachiever of the year. Player of, or a uh, club? Team, team. Oh, well, team is
0: Southampton. Yeah. First day of the season, we're wondering, will they survive? They're challenging for Champions League place for half the season and they play really entertaining football, just as entertaining as last year. They've improved defensively, if anything, despite losing Lovren and losing Chambers over the course of the summer. And just a really intelligent coach because I think there were a lot of question marks about Ronald Koeman when he came in because he just seemed desperate for a job in England. He wanted to get out of Holland. He would have taken any job in English football, but he's just gone about it the right way. Didn't complain at all about all the players he lost, which would have filter down to the players that were still there you presume. if a manager had come in and started making excuses straight away his first press conference I remember doing Southampton opening weekend of the season against Liverpool and in his first press conference he was asked numerous occasions about Lambert about Lovren about Lalana all leaving and he just didn't want to get into it it's like they're gone lots of players move on we have a really good group of players here
1: we well he also something. knew something that nobody else knew that the quality of the players they were bringing in and what like for like In some respects Some of those players were um, Yeah you know, like, I, I heard you not making tested, The point
0: but. last week About Dusan Tadic And I think actually Now we've learned The lesson from last season That actually Players like Lalana Are very good for Certain periods of a season Just like Dusan Tadic Had a good Two, three months But wasn't really able To sustain it Mane Doesn't Lallana play would have done it For
1: most of last season <laughs> yeah he was
2: he, he was he very was, consistent was he, us, on the, was
1: he on the PFA team of the year he was yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. He, and for three years now since they came back up <clears throat> Lallana has been
1: consistently good outside of his time at Liverpool clearly but
2: but even that, I mean, that's a different argument. Even that has been wrecked by injury, and he's been in a team that hasn't been playing well. And aside that, when he would have been, he would have seen Liverpool last season with Suarez and Sturge in it. They lose both of them effectively for the entire season. Sterling doesn't seem to be too happy. There are a whole number of mitigating factors. Let's judge Lalana, and we had this discussion a couple of weeks ago. Let's judge Lalana at the end of next season, see how well he well, does.
1: Wasn't was that the point? Yeah,
0: the about weekend. two seconds before he hey, scored. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, no, Southampton definitely my overachievers.
2: Couldn't argue with that I think you could if you were to just make an argument of it you could throw the likes of Leicester in there you could maybe Swansea, Stoke other clubs who've done extremely well this season and maybe just confounded expectations to a certain extent. Obviously Leicester were as good as gone. I mean, if you're looking at the greatest escape in Premier League history, I think that is hands down.
1: They've got a big shout for overachievers. Of Well, they've stayed up.
2: I mean, that was our ambition. They would have taken fourth bottom at the start of the season. So the fact that they've stayed up, it doesn't rival Southampton in terms of what they've achieved in relation to expectation. But if you were to ask this question based purely on the last eight weeks of the season it's been just the most incredible miracle I cannot understand how Leicester managed to turn it around and it beats all the great escapes achieved by the likes of Coventry and Southampton over the years and Wigan two years ago Sunderland last season I think this beats them all Uh, underachieved for the season for me would be Everton after what they achieved last season the brilliant run they put together in the last eight weeks with three games to go, they were above Arsenal in the race for the Champions League places. They were fourth after that brilliant victory over Arsenal at Godison Park. Then they went out and spent all the money on Lukaku, and it looked like they were really putting their faith in him. And it just went horribly wrong. Couldn't really handle Europe at the same time. They tried to change their playing style a little from that direct style, and I spent a lot of the season looking over their shoulder at a potential relegation battle. In the end, they've won enough games to keep themselves safe comfortably. But... Everton and maybe Newcastle but they're such yeah. a basket case of a football club mm. maybe we shouldn't be surprised that they're in the state they are. Everton in.
1: get my blandness of the uh season award but uh yeah I think between Villa and Newcastle for me it has to be said I think like did Paul Villa Lambert Yeah yeah Well they yeah, were just sure that they, they did, were yeah. stumbling
2: along doing exactly as they were last season under Paul Lambert
1: Yeah, but I mean, like they're currently, so heading into the final weekend, two points above the uh, relegation places, sorry, four points above the relegation places. I think that's an underachievement for Aston Villa. I think that Paul Lambert quite clearly, as Tim Sherwood has proven over the last, what many, four or five weeks. Nathan is nodding at me to suggest that this is an untypical message from you. Um, And it is. I don't know that he's going to be necessarily the most fantastic. uh, He's going to prove to be the most fantastic manager next season. But um, I would certainly have expected Aston Villa. I think the primary reason for their underachievement as has been proven under Tim Sherwood over the last while was Paul Lambert he just had no capacity Sucks to the get life of his, out of everything uh,
2: he There was nothing different about them than, than last season Well that when doesn't they were mean they didn't almost search for relegation mm. with four games to go I want, I, I felt Villa well, you, you were the one who actually talked me out of backing Villa to go down at the very start of the season they were 3-1 yes. to one, so I thank you for that because yeah. I was going to put a, quite you a significant bit of that's wedge that's on it but it didn't surprise me at all that they would be down if Paul Lambert hadn't been sacked mm. they would definitely be gone So I wouldn't, I don't think they've actually, I think they're exactly where I thought they were going Mm. to be, scrapping to avoid the drop. And certainly you wouldn't be in the same case of underachievement as Everett, for example. Nathan? Yeah, I think you've
0: covered all the bases. Newcastle potentially because we saw when they went on that run under Alan Pardew what they could do, Mm. but there's just a lack of the right characters there. If
2: Pardew was still there, they wouldn't be in this mess. No,
0: they'd be comfortably mid-table because he has, like Sherwood, there's a lot of, dislikeable aspects when you look at Alan Pardew but he's clearly a very good motivator and that is the Newcastle team that need a lot of motivation that look quite happy to as you've seen over the last 10 weeks or so look happy to just go out and play their game and not really throw themselves into challenges and there's a complete lack of character there and if they go down that is the big worry for them that last time they went down there was still a lot of strong people there who weren't going to give up just because they went down to the championship who had a point to prove you look at that Newcastle group of players at the moment And there's nobody. Maybe Jack Colbeck. Somebody like that. Yeah. Um, Little bits of quality will be gone, presumably, to Soko and guys like that if they were to be relegated.
2: I'd love to get into the mind of Mike Ashley this week and just see how he's feeling. I'll troll this out there. I'm not sure I believe it myself. But if they go down, never before has an owner played more of a role in his team's relegation than Mike Ashley. Leeds? Well, that was more the chairman. Yeah, Peter Rather than the owner of the club. But the way he's t- treated managers over the years, the way he sold pl- the best players over the years, the way he's never he given the, pull the managers Alan Pardew money
1: and keep him for was it five seasons? Yeah,
2: I understand that. Yeah, but he then also allowed <laughs> him to go to Crystal
1: Palace yeah. and
0: look where they are now. But that's the only little bit. Uh, I have a huge amount of sympathy for Newcastle supporters. The way things have gone, Oh, we love last. those Newcastle supporters. I mean, the, I the Newcastle
1: su- supporters do not deserve to be relegated. Except
2: they were dying to get rid of Alan Pardew. Yeah, they couldn't I wait to it. see the back of him they had a website set up yeah big he abused by that the way. man I think, uh, I think, no, that,
1: I think, I think Newcastle supporters
2: deserve everything they're getting because uh, yeah. they are I'll keep so that to myself when I'm in Newcastle they're the bandwagon they <laughs> want a manager out because he's not playing a certain brand of football because he's English or sorry because he's from London because he's a Cockney get him out the Cockney Mafia the Cockney Brigade and all this kind of stuff Look, they're in a position now. That we're the same position they were in 2008 when they brought to Alan Shearer to try and try and get them out of it. Of of all the teams over the last few years, if they go down, that deserve to go down. It's Newcastle. They're pathetic. He's just
1: hit the funny bone, Dave.
2: Well, How many games did I to win? You've done your stats with this? You, you know, I haven't 10, done any of my stats it? yet at all. Yeah, well, ten one, games one point to win. from one point 10, from I would 10 think. Games, like, yeah. That's just... You do not deserve to be in the Premier League. When you compare what they've done mm. to what Leicester have done over the last eight weeks,
1: you don't deserve to be there. I've made the point over the last couple of weeks, so I'm not going to labour, but the, the bullshit around the Newcastle supporters really gets the better we have to say. It's absolute bullshit. They're no different to any other club. Uh, fair enough, there's a slightly different dynamic, as Nathan has pointed out previously, and I would accept that, but in the broader scheme of things...
0: I'll be sure to point out your views when I arrive I'll well, do, feel free, I Sunday won't be morning. there, you do that. I'll pass on your phone number your elbow, and right. your address, yeah, I'm fine. Just off just the window still about, there,
1: good work. Just about recovered. Um, so, yeah, have you anything to say on Newcastle? Um, I, I
0: really don't know how it's going to go, because I'm struggling to see Hull beating Manchester United, which they have to do. Like, a draw is no good for either of these sides, but the fact, you would imagine Newcastle are just going to sit back and wait and see what happens in the whole game. Yeah. And not throw too many men forward. Probably Sam Allardyce's last
2: game in charge of West Ham do their Imagine players the irony the if,
1: if he if he manages to sink yeah. uh, Newcastle.
2: I see Hull getting a result. I, I go Sunday. with you on that Dave.
1: A hungover manager. Manchester United
2: uh, not have nothing to play for. I, yeah, I I They've get a, that. There a lot of their best players are injured. And Hull have, and Hull have everything to play for. Yeah. And the place in the stadium home. will be absolutely rocking on Sunday as will St James's Park. And They know that there is nothing other than victory that will get them out of their hole. Whereas you just said, Newcastle know that all they have to do is just match Hull's result.
0: Well, as you said, the KC Stadium will be rocking. I do wonder what the atmosphere will be like at St. James's Park, particularly if Hull were to get an early goal. Do the Newcastle Mm -hmm. supporters get behind the team and is the place rocking or is everybody going a little bit quiet? I envy you going because if if Hull get an
2: early goal, you will be at the most anxious, tense, worrisome place ever in the UK and Ireland <laughs> that afternoon and it'll Dave, be amazing and to be there I'll be in <laughs> 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 Kingsbound Park enjoying myself as well but it will be a very interesting place to be in the second half if Hull are leading yeah. 1-0 and it's 0-0 between Newcastle and West Ham I'd
0: prefer to see Hull go down but I want to see them go down by Newcastle scoring in the last to see Hull go down minute because
2: it's hard to get to Eggs. <laughs> <laughs> Geographic yeah. reasons—the only reason. No, well, there's got nothing, nothing, to do with the fact, there's there's be some logic. There's not too many redeeming factors about Hull's ownership either. Got three either. Irish
1: internationals in their team for a start,
2: which would help us.
1: Um, I, that, uh, that's the, some sort of an argument. I have some sympathy for, but and I couldn't give a toss about what it takes for you to get to uh, Hull. Obviously, yeah, for well, as your man,
0: your man doesn't even work Sundays anymore.
2: And Hull have come up with some really big results over the last eight, nine weeks. They've had a really terrible run in. I think Hull have shown far more spirit and fight to be there than Newcastle have.
1: Um I've texted my wife to say what the fuck and I've hadn't any response. <laughs> He's with the oh, again. Yeah. W T F actually is what I said. I haven't had any response. So perhaps Anthony, you might be right. A charming John Barnes. I'd say her yeah.
2: phone her phone switched off.
1: Yeah. yeah. Who could blame In her? In fairness, <laughs> I was I was about to make that very point myself. There would be no truck uh with a reasonable mind. Lads, it's been a pleasure um today and every other day. I don't know if you've anything else to offer on this weekend's games.
2: Not really, I think I'm glad the season's over. <laughs> 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 I am looking forward to the next season already though because I do think they'll all improve significantly the top yeah. four and yeah. I, I would be also fascinated to see what Southampton do next season and also the likes of Leicester. Will they Will they be able to do something next season? Dave, no. get that mortgage payment achieve. that
1: you're going to put on Aston Villa this season and put it on Leicester next season, I would think.
2: Well, you wouldn't. I was going to be backing Villa because of what they did last season I certainly mm. won't be backing Leicester to go down on the basis of what they've achieved uh, over the last six to well, seven weeks well that would be my point that, and of that's course that's Liverpool will be fascinating over mm. the course of the summer as well because mm. they are in a bit of a mess at the moment and the whole Sterling stuff is pretty terrible yeah. will Sturge be fit will they bring in a couple of big signings I'm looking forward This it'll be a very interesting summer in the transfer window F- final
1: point before, before we leave on, on Liverpool particularly the like we talked about the overachievement and the, the underachievement Liverpool achieving precisely what we would have expected and like finish fifth. yeah but not really in the way we expected yeah but screw that who cares does that make any difference like that's you know the table doesn't lie
0: Nathan no but I think you go back to the Manchester United match and they were so comprehensively outplayed between the United match and the Arsenal match that they looked like there was this seismic gap between the two sides then the performance against Hull and the performance against West Brom where they didn't look up for it at all, where they still had a chance of finishing fourth. Mm. And they're the most worrying performances. And it's hard to see with the names they've been linked with, who is going to bring them back up to that level. Mm. Something else with looking ahead to next season is, it, it seems as though Pellegrini is going to stay. It seems as though Rodgers is going to stay. But if there are managerial changes, something everything sh- suddenly everything shifts. That if Manchester City decide to get rid of Pellegrini and bring in a Carlo Ancelotti, bring in a Jurgen Klopp, suddenly there's a real spark about Manchester City. And presumably, if they keep them, they're going to invest massively. If they get a Paul Pogba, that closes the gap, no matter who Chelsea sign. And it is worth remembering, New Year's Day, despite how brilliant Chelsea were at the start of the season, they're level on points with Manchester Mm -hmm. City. It's just that City have faded, rather than Chelsea being outstanding in the second half. They do
2: need at least one world-class midfielder, because Torres looks like a shadow of the player he used to be. They will probably have a fully fit Vincent company who surely won't throw in a season oh, as Dave, a season. Like that remains to be seen. Dodge he's is, he's his best behind and permanently yes. is the question with company, And they still have Sergio Aguero any team with him. Um, any yeah. team with Aguero can do some real damage. What about James Milner getting offered 135 grand a week? He's just the kind of player City you have to keep. Yeah. Yeah that point has been made in this podcast He's got the physicality year, yeah. he's got the spirit he got is one of the few English players in the squad Brimming They with definitely have to hold on to James Well man. that's
0: exactly why you do need someone like that that 135 grand a week actually won't make a huge amount of difference to him Not right now it's not going to change James Miller It's yeah, not it going to turn into some city sort either. of a. Madonna.
2: No, they, if they're losing guys like him and they bring somebody else in to replace him who's like from somewhere else on the continent and doesn't have the same affinity for the club or the same spirit oh
1: Dan foreigners.
2: Johnny Johnny foreigner been brought in <laughs> parachuted in yeah. no I those think they just, just don't
1: know what it's like in you know <laughs> Manchester on a Tuesday night it's he's just the kind of player they need to hold on to right that's it it's been emotional we'll probably be in the same room next week doing the Friday GEA podcast
2: less than three months ago isn't it the 8th of August 8th, 8th of August, August opening terms, weekend
1: yeah. Is that a couple of weeks earlier than normal?
0: Yeah, it? it is, yeah. Um, See, this season is finishing late because of the World Cup and next season is
1: starting early because of the Euros.
2: Is that the Bank Holiday weekend? Or is no, the it's previous the weekend, weekend after. The Community
1: Shield of the Bank Holiday weekend. Right, well, you've got a break from us then for the next sort of uh, whatever it is. If, if you're a Gaelic football
2: and hurling fan, you've only had a weird yeah, break. it's only just oh, yeah. starting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right, lads. Pleasure. Good, Good luck. luck. Talk to you.